Spell that. How do you spell that? It's the, Try. It's the deepest sigh. The just the. Uh, uh. Every once in a while, I'm on the I'm on the the golf course, or I'm somewhere, and somebody says, "How much do you miss it? Mm-hmm. How much do you miss the old radio show?" And it really just depends on what day you ask me. How, Certain days, I really miss it. How about today? I don't miss it, and this is a terrible kind of advertisement for episode number 12. Yeah, yeah. I hope that people won't like now turn us off because, oh, he doesn't really want to do this. I'm just being unfiltered and honest. Mm-hmm. It's days like today that I don't miss the old radio mm-hmm. show. The Seahawks, Jason Hamilton, are out. Out. The endless offseason begins, mm-hmm. and I would bet that we both have plenty to say. I said a little bit to patrons on uh, on Saturday <laughs> night, as you know. Uh, no, no curse words. Ass was the only okay, word I used. Okay, yeah. um, three road teams out of four. One. <sighs> there you go. I just want to throw up. Uh, Clemson and Alabama for the national championship again. Rick Neuheisel will tell us who's going to win and why. And he'll probably be right, by the way, if you've mm-hmm. tracked his picks over the years on mm-hmm. that aforementioned radio show. Hey, Washington took care of business in, in game number one of the Pac-12 against the Cougs. And you got we got to talk about this at some point. You got some sort of recognition. You were you were tweeting out like a really nice picture that should go in your office, yeah, your home yeah. office. Yeah, we'll talk about it. I, I mean, that was really sweet. Um, and by the way, Joe Lenardi, Dr. Joe, going into this weekend, I don't know how, still had Washington as like, the first four that are out of the field, right. like chomping at the bit to get in. They're so we right need to there. talk about that. Uh, I'm, on a, I'm on a movie bender. Really? Yeah. You know this. Probably a lot of our listeners to Mitch Unfiltered don't. I've got a son in show business. Oh, that's right. He's, I, in, he's I got, in the business. I got a 16-year-old in the movie business. Yes. Now, yeah, he takes tickets and shows you <laughs> to your seat, but he takes his dad to movies. He has taken me to three movies in the last six days. Three movies in the last six days. I thought I'd mention that. I thought somebody might. Well, be you're not going to tell. Yeah, I'm going to tell okay, you. Okay. I'm going to tell you. Okay. You want to know now or you want to know? You wanna oh, are you going to talk about this it later? This is just a tease. We I haven't know, started the show But are yet. you going to talk about it later? If you remind me. I will. I will. I'll give my awards. My golden globes. Okay. I'll give my golden globes. A couple of reminders uh, to the listeners. Mitch Unfiltered is now available just about everywhere. Podcasts are found. We would love for you to subscribe and listen on a regular basis on your favorite platform. And the new episodes will be delivered to you if you subscribe. I've learned that. Mm -hmm. I've now subscribed in a couple of different places. Um, If you're a newbie to the podcast or you just haven't been able to hear all of our shows, you would be doing us, me in particular, a favor if you went back and listened to at least a small portion of of the previous episodes that you may have missed. It helps build the brand. It helps build the podcast. And it will, frankly, keep us around for a while, Mm -hmm. if that's your intention. If you'd like (laughs) us to to be around for a while, you do that. If you'd like to support our effort, financially support our effort, and you don't have to, I want to make sure I I make that perfectly clear, uh, Richard Milhouse Nixon, Mm -hmm. at the same time, have access to lots of bonus episodes, like the one I just mentioned. I did an eight-and-a-half-minute rant I was definitely going to curse. Fired up. I was going to curse, but then I didn't curse. And Trained. I'll tell you, I, I, I can't. I'm having trouble 
getting the curse word, the first curse word out. But I did an eight and a half minute rant. I figured Seahawks were on Saturday instead of Sunday, mm-hmm. and I just had plenty to say. And I was going to see Mary Poppins. Okay, there's one. I was going to see Mary. Mary there you go. I was going to see Mary Poppins, and I just had a, to vent a little bit before I went, and so I did it for the patrons. That wasn't. That didn't mean I didn't care about everybody else. But I just figured, why wait till Monday when I was steaming about right. a certain aspect of the game that we'll talk about today? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did a. So if you're a patron, you just go to the website MitchUnfiltered.com. It says become a patron. If you if you are a patron, you have access to that. You're not a patron. You always ask me, hey, send me the yeah, well, the patron. You, you try yeah. to get. Well, well, hey, I'm, <laughs> I thought I was a part of this deal. Why, why do I? You know, you are. Why, 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 you why are. can't you send me the link? I, I, I can't. Is there a certain link that I can send you, or do you want me to send you the individual patron shows? How does that work? I don't know. Maybe you're, you could just use my. Yeah, I'll use your deal. My my yeah, deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's all brought to you by Daniel's Broiler Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue and Zeke's Pizza. No place better to enjoy Northwest style pizza, Jason. An amazing selection of craft beers, Jason, all while watching a ball game. In fact, the new Capitol Hill location is on Monday the 14th opening. Grand oh. opening on Monday the 14th coming up on Monday. And I'm planning to watch the Super Bowl there in a few weeks. And I have a chair next to me reserved for you. Now you were going to go to the home front, yeah. and check up on this. Yeah. Have you have you done any? I haven't. I haven't done that due yet. Due diligence? No, I haven't. This? Haven't done that Can yet. Can I just borrow you for a little while? Yeah, during probably. The Super Bowl, or more than a little while? We'll watch the commercials. Likely. We're not going to watch the Seahawks. Oh, do it. Come on. <sighs> uh, anyway, I'm hoping that the people that are listening right now, some of which who are able yeah. on Super Bowl Sunday, will stop by the Capitol Hill, the brand new Capitol location of Zeke's, and at the very least shake my hand or allow me to shake their hand so that I can properly thank everybody for supporting me in this new journey and offering me a second chance. Unfiltered. This Seahawks turnaround is remarkable. Remember, they can't win a preseason game. And then two games into the regular year, we're looking forward to the NFL draft in 2019. And now three months later, we're asking wild card number one or wild card number two. And who would you rather play in the first round of the playoffs? Amazing. Unfiltered. I don't know. It just seems to me that if Jerry DePoto and the Mariners are going to make all these trades look beyond 2019, well, then they can't expect everyone to pay the same ticket prices as they did for an 89-win team in 2018. Mitch is unfiltered. This is the one, as I said, the one radio show that anybody who did or does what I used to do, kind of like, you don't want this one. This is the you one. You don't this, want it to be over. It's, it, it's over, and it's frustrating, and it's anxious, and people are stressed out. Some people don't want to hear it. Some people just want to you know, pretend like it didn't happen. Others mm-hmm. want to harp on it. You can't make anybody happy mm-hmm. with today's episode number 12. Yeah. And it just so happens to be, and we probably should have known they were going to lose because this was going to be episode number 12. See, see how you are. Although somebody over on the other side, and we both picked the Seahawks, but we did. somebody for weeks was telling me, yeah. bring me Dallas. That was I me. I want Dallas. Now with Philadelphia's win on Sunday in Chicago, I don't know. Yeah. Um, how you feeling? I mean, you. I wanted Dallas. I wanted Dallas. You got Dallas. I got Dallas. Be careful what you wish That's for. Right. You got Dallas. 
I, and you had Dallas, by the way. I had Dallas. Uh, you know, you're up 14-10. Yes, you are. You're doing some things decently. Yeah, doing a little bit of business. A little. A little bit of business, right? And um, I just, I'm so disappointed. Are you? I'm disappointed. Now, I know the money said and Todd Furman said and Jason Lockenfora said, I thought Seattle was going to win that game. I thought a lot, a lot of people thought that Seattle was going to win that game. And I don't know that had you watched the game, if they turned around and played the following day in Dallas, I'm not sure that the world wouldn't have still picked the mm. Seahawks to win the game. So the question that everybody has been trying to wrestle with is what happened? And that's what we do either worst or best on these types of yeah. shows. What happened? It's yeah. Mitch unfiltered. And, you know, there was a, a very constant theme nationally, not just in local people, nationally who watched that game. There were analytics people. There were Jason mm-hmm. Locken Four people. There were Peter King's people. If you were watching on Twitter, which is great, social media is great for that reason. You can get sure, a sense absolutely. of a, many people were saying the same thing, what many of us were thinking. And, you know, you lose a game 24 to 22. You lose a game that you think you should have won going in. You lose a game that now coming out, you thought you should have won. And there's lots of, there's always lots of reasons. It's never one thing. And I know that my rant and what I'm about to talk to you about is going to make it sound like I think there's one thing, but there's not one thing. I mean, there were a lot of reasons a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot of reasons. There were, there's a lot of blame. There's a lot of oh, finger sure, pointing. I mean, sure, I, sure, and I, sure. we can go right down the list and have either agony or fun doing it. Uh, in no particular order. You know, you want to start with the defense? We can start with the defense. Yeah. A defense that did well to keep the Seahawks afloat while the offense was trying to find itself. Especially early. Especially early. Kind of caved in. In those last two drives, right. and and made some mistakes and penalties. Mm-hmm. There were those defensive penalties mm-hmm. that extended drives. They couldn't come up with the stop. And then late in the game, even when the Seahawks might have had a chance, had they held them to three, uh, they couldn't make. Even Bobby Wagner, right? Have have you heard? Has anybody in this town or any other town blamed Bobby Wagner or pointed out any? flaw in in the ointment that is Bobby Wagner no. all year long. And because you couldn't. You couldn't. You could not. He, he literally had not missed a tackle right. the whole season. That's what it felt like. And so there he is. There he is in position to knock the quarterback down on the run mm-hmm. that got him down to the six, six. inches from mm-hmm. the from the goal line. He even Bob even there's there's ways to blame Bobby Wagner if you really want to find so the point is there's lots Shaq Griffin got burnt a couple of times more than a couple times there were the couple times that people noticed and then there were a couple times that people didn't notice I'll go back to the play that the Cowboys receiver got hurt all oh, right and and the world was worried about him and I was worried about him it was gruesome injury and I'm so glad to hear that maybe. The surgery went well, and Hearns is going to be back sure. and maybe start of the season. What people don't remember about that, unless I didn't watch it closely, that was a third down and like long. long. Yeah. He makes a catch for like 14 on the right side. Now, I'm not 100% positive because I didn't go back and look at it, but I'm, my guess, and that was to the quarterback's right, that's 
That's Shaq. Shaq, yeah. Shaq missed tackles. He might have been involved in losing contain on the long run. Some people will yeah. say it's somebody else on Ezekiel Elliott's long run sure. before half that got him into the end yeah. zone, gave him or gave him the lead. Um, we can point fingers at Shaq, certainly. There's plenty of blame to go around. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry. And people who heard this, the patrons that heard this on Saturday night, to me, this is a real easy one to dissect. <laughs> a really easy one to dissect. And you're going to laugh because you're going to say, here goes Mitch on the offense. Mitch just wants to be the offensive going. coordinator. Yeah. Yeah, I want to be, and I do. You In do. my next life, I'd like to be an offensive coordinator. Yeah. But the wor- it, it's not just me. The world is, is writing and saying the same thing. The Seattle Seahawks went in with a game plan, and everybody in the world knew what the game plan was going sure. to be, including the Cowboys. And most of the time, everybody in the world knows what the game plan is going to be, and they can't stop it because right. it's one of the great running teams and one of the great storylines of the NFL season. But at some point, at some point, you've got to play the game that's in front of you. That's right. I mean, you played major Division One college basketball. Yep. You went into halftime, and Coach Bob Bender, he – and and the coaching staff and you coached major major division one college basketball. You you make right. You There's have a, to make adjustments. Adjustments. You have to. You have to make adjustments. And either there was a stubbornness, like no no no, this is what we do, and I don't care that we're not doing it well. We're going to continue to do mm-hmm. it. We're going to win the game our way. Mm-hmm. Screw this. We're going to win the game our way. Or there was a lack of. I mean, and and at some point, I mean, I can I can blame Schottenheimer all I want, but at some point, the head coach has the headsets. Sure, he's got the attention of people at halftime or in the third quarter or in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, he's got the ability to say, "Okay, guys, we've got to give the ball to number three, sure, and give him a chance to win this football." You're not giving the game. You're not giving the ball to RG three. You're not you're not given the ball and I was thinking of an analogy and the only analogy that I could keep that I could come up with today in the shower this is the best I got for you is if you went to work every day to the office mm-hmm. every day you went to work every single day and you had this you had this way to go to work yeah. to drive to work you had a couple it's a routine. of uh, you had a couple of routes you didn't go the main route all the way you you had this way of going faster and you had your thing sure. you had your route to work and you did it day after day and it paid off and you got there faster you beat some traffic mm-hmm. you just had your way right mm-hmm. every once in a while not often you might get on that road and there may be something going on. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, what's all this traffic? There might be a, an accident. There might be construction. Your way, for some reason on this working. day. So what are you going to do? Are you going to stay and just say, no, I, this is my way to work. And I'm just going to stand in this line of traffic. And I'm going to wait my... Or or are you going to get get off the road and take an alternative route and perhaps get there faster? Now, this alternative route that I'm suggesting is a guy... That you're going to pay $30 million a year. Think about yeah. that for a second. Yeah. You realize that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a guy who's one year away from being a $30 million a year quarterback. He is the face of your organization. This is not an alternative route that 
Right. It's unknown. It's, yeah, it's unknown. Uh, yeah. It's in the dark. We're not back. giving the ball to yeah. RG3 here. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I can't believe it. The more I think about it, the more time expires between the end of that game and now. I can't believe that nobody on that sideline that had the clout to do it mm-hmm. said, okay, guys, the Carson up the middle, yeah. the David, they are just selling out. The Cowboys are selling out to stop the run. I told you during tail of the tape, you did. I gave you the the something's got. What was the something's got to give a stat of the of the week? Rushing, rushing. The Seahawks were fifth, fifth in the league Dallas. in yards per carry. Dallas's defense was, was fourth, fourth in the league That's in right. stopping it. Right. That's right. And they were just selling out. Here are the numbers. The numbers don't lie. They had twenty four carries for seventy three yards. Did the Seahawks? Mm-hmm. Right. Three yards per carry. Now. Take away Russell Wilson's 14 yards, and you're down to the running backs. Handing right. off 21 carries, 59 yards, 2.8 yards a carry. Now, take away the 128-yarder that Penny broke, mm-hmm. and you're at 20 carries for 39 yards. They averaged 1.9 yards a carry. And at really no point... During the second half of that football. And, oh, by the way, let's consider a couple of other things. Number one, when they did throw and play action, it was working. Right. Dixon was was making plays, and Lockett was making plays, and Baldwin was making plays, and, and Russell Wilson was making plays. Did you know that going into the game, some people may not know this, that on play action passes, the analytics say, um, when, when the Seahawks play action, Russell Wilson's passer rating, on play-action passes, number one in the National Football League. Number one. When he fakes the run right. and throws the pass, they're number one in the league. And it was working. The best example that I have so fresh in my mind that you'll remember in the first half of the game. Remember when he hit Lockett on a long ball? He faked to a running back. A Cowboy defensive player, number 96, came rushing in. He went with Carson. He was standing right next to the quarterback. He could have sacked the quarterback. But as soon as – I mean, he got in before before he hardly said height. And and he went with Carson, and they made the big play. They were so keying on. They were doing everything. They were daring. They were daring. And the Seahawks were making plays in the air. So now, having said that – yeah. Obviously, you say $30 million quarterback. Yes. You've got a guy who's won a Super Bowl, a guy that should have won two Super Bowls. Mm -hmm. Do you just give him the keys like Phillip – this is a bad example because Phillip Rivers hasn't won anything. But I'm saying a passing quarterback where you just say, we're going to throw it 50 times. No. No, I I, I don't think that. And I don't think that they should have – I don't think that they should have thrown – the running game in the second half the okay, other night. Good. Out the that's, where I was, that's what I was I'm trying to get asking, you to say. The, the issue was, and I know that you had to go to a Washington, Washington State basketball game. The issue was, is they kept on running on first and second down. Long, They kept on putting their third down offense in yeah. third and seven, third right. and eight, third and nine, third and 14. They end up being They end up being two for 13 or 14 on third downs. Another stat that I shared with you, the you Cowboys did. were one of the worst, worst third-down third defenses. Yeah, you did. You're bailing them out. They, at never at, a, at any point. And I just, I just can't believe 
that at some point not throw the, the sure. not throw the running game out the window but s- start to say hey Russell we're going to change things on the sidelines while the other offense is on the field Russell get ready we're going to change things and, and start really allowing him to either win or lose the game mm-hmm. by the time they gave him the ball to really start making plays it was too late yeah. and the Seahawks now are out of the postseason and it just it just it's it's so troubling because now the Eagles beat the Bears, mm-hmm. which means the Eagles go to New Orleans. That means the Seahawks would have faced the, the Rams. Rams, the team that everybody wanted them to face. Yep. A lot of people don't think that they could beat them three times. That's not a big home field advantage in Los Angeles out there. And I mean, it was all there. And, and then, oh. and then the other thing, Jason, when you're talking about the 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 unwillingness or the stubbornness to change as the game is going on, to just recognize. Here's what's happening here. Let's do something a little different. I mean, even Russell Wilson, who never airs out, never says, yeah. uh, even he said after the game or a, a day after yeah. the game, I wish we would have thrown it a little bit more. I wish we would have done something because it was working. The passing game was working. But let me throw one last thing at you. While the Seahawks are behind in catch-up mode for most of the second half, mm-hmm. they were ahead 14-10, to yeah. 10, I know that. Yeah. But while they were behind in catch-up mode, they're running on first and second down when it's not working, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. With Russell Wilson. The Dallas Cowboys with Dak Prescott. And they've got Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott. Elliott. If there was any team that should have on that field that day that should have been running on first and second, it was Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. Right. Right? Right. They're still throwing the ball. Go back and look at the the, the play by play. They're running. They're running pass plays on. They're mm-hmm. ahead and they're running pass pass plays on first and second down. Dak Prescott when he when he could be handing to Ezekiel Zeke, Elliott. Yeah. They're running pass plays. How are the Seahawks not running? Some well, pass I think plays part of it is maybe down? the Cowboys didn't respect the Seahawks defense. Right? Are you going to stop the run? Is the secondary going to stop the pass? I mean, I think they felt like the playbook was open. Do you think the Seahawks felt like the playbook was open against that front line of Dallas? Do you think they felt like their whole playbook was was in effect? Because, I mean, what, what's what are you waiting for? You're in the playoffs. This is this is it. What are you doing? I can only guess to the answers to the question. I, I can only guess, and my guess is what I said earlier, and that is they believe that if we keep wearing them. If we, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not working. Because we'll it's just worked keep, in games past. We, we're just keep pounding them. At some point, it's going to work, and our defense is going to keep us in it until that time. Mm-hmm. And, the, and and you can blame it on the defense. You want to blame it on the offense for putting them in. I mean, the defense just broke. Yeah. And late in that game, the defense broke. They didn't have it anymore. They just didn't have it anymore, mm-hmm. and they couldn't stop the Cowboys when they needed to, to stop them. And so I'll just end this part portion of episode 12 by – by trying to be, I, I know we're unfiltered, but I want to be as fair as I can be, okay? Because I believe that that game was lost on the sidelines. That game on Saturday night was lost underneath the headsets. Mm-hmm. You want to blame Brian Schottenheimer for calling the place? Blame him. You want to blame uh, Pete Carroll for not stepping in? He's the head coach of this freaking team for not stepping in and saying, hey, we've got a quarterback that we're going to pay $30 million starting yeah, next year. Him. Let's give him a chance yeah. to put us on the shoulder. Let's not go to the offseason wondering, what if we gave number three the ball? I believe that, yes, there's blame for Shaq, and there's blame for defense, and there's blame for penalties, and there's blame on the officials, and special teams. a face mask, and special teams. and yeah. there's, there's, there's blame all around. I believe 
from the bottom of my unfiltered heart mm. that this game was lost on the sidelines in the headset with all, well, the, the lack of ability to to make in-game adjustments mm-hmm. and let the game speak to them a little bit, okay? But to be fair, unfiltered and fair, I'll say this. I, I, while I'm not a Brian Schottenheimer I'm not a shoddy fan. I'm not a shoddy fan. Yeah. It's because... You know, he looks at the game different than I look at the game, and and I, I like I like coordinators who are more Andy Reid like, a little more creative, a little more sleight of hand, mm-hmm. who will do things, who misdirection, and mm-hmm. really some creativity. The Seahawks are not a creative no. offensive football team, so I don't love that. Yeah, the guy deserves some credit. I don't know how much credit he deserves. Sure. Look, the team was ten and six. I thought the team was going to be six and ten. The offensive lines turnaround is really Remarkable. One, of, one of the great stories yeah. of the Seahawks in my years of, of being here, 25 years, yeah. the turnaround. I, you want to give all that credit to the new offensive line coach? You want to give all that credit to Fluker and Sweezy? Okay. But he is the offensive coordinator, and under his, under his watch or on his mm-hmm. watch, that offensive line turnaround was amazing, and offensively they were good, and the quarterback was great, especially in fourth quarters, and yeah. they led him to the postseason. When I, so I'm trying to be fair yeah. here while being unfiltered. So good season. My problem here is, and I had this problem on the radio, there's seven months to be able to take a step back and say kudos to the Seahawks for giving us a postseason berth that none of us expected yeah. to have. There's seven months for that. The <laughs> not, problem not is today. Today is not the day. Yeah, that game should have been won. You should have been right three weeks ago. You should have been right two weeks ago. Yeah. And I truly believe, as I'm sitting in front of you in episode number twelve, I truly believe had the Seattle Seahawks coaching staff, even with all the defensive penalties and the shacks and all that stuff. Had the Seattle Seahawks coaching staff just let the game speak to them a little bit. They didn't have to do it at halftime. Mm. Everybody's saying, why didn't they make the adjustments at halftime? For all I care, they didn't have to. Middle of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, at some point with still 15 or 18 minutes to go, say, hey, we're not going to the offseason without seeing if number three can take us to the second Mm. round. Mm. The fact that they didn't do that to me, lost the game. That's the reason why we're sitting here doing this show as opposed to being getting ready for the Rams. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. So Rick Neuheisel is going to be in our next segment, and I know we're going to talk national championship with him mm-hmm. and Washington and Jacob Eason and all that good stuff. But maybe Neuheisel, he's an offensive guy. He's a quarterback. Right. He was he was a quarterback's coach for the Ravens. He's been in the NFL. Maybe he's got a thought on – maybe it's – Mitch, it's easy for you to say – that they should have reversed course or changed course. It's not as easy on the sidelines as it is for a, a radio or podcast guy to let's right. get Rick Neuheisel's thoughts on this, okay? You know, I couldn't be more pleased with the start of the Mitch Unfiltered journey. Never thought that we would have so much interest in hearing my return as we've had. Now talk about hot starts. How about the brand new Daniels broiler at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Seattle? Whoa. Lindsay Schwartz and the Schwartz family have a fourth location to be proud of. It is a home run. This new downtown Seattle Daniels is open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. If you live or work downtown, planning an evening downtown or visiting Seattle, you now have a world-class choice 
for prime steaks and seafood. And by the way, just down the block from the Paramount Theater on 8th and Howell, there's no question where my family is headed the next time we take in a show. I can't tell you how many people have tweeted me pictures of anniversary dinners or other special occasions at Daniel's, adding that they wanted to support the people that have supported my return, and that's been very touching to me. I wish I could buy a round of bacon-wrapped scallops for every one of you, but I can't because I got a kid who seems to be only interested in the most expensive colleges in the country. But that's another story. Locally owned by the Schwartz family and now located at South Lake Union, Leshaw Marina, Bellevue Place, and now at the new downtown Hyatt Regency, Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. Let's get Rick Neuheisel in here. He of CBS, former coach of the Washington Huskies and all the rest of the teams, UCLA, Colorado, in the NFL as a quarterback's coach for the Baltimore Ravens. But now we find you. Tell everybody in the Mitch Unfiltered audience. This is episode number 12. You were on episode number one. We've made it to 12. Where we find Rick Neuheisel and why. I think they'll find this interesting. I am in the uh, great state of Texas, uh, down uh, in San Antonio, where I used to toil for the San Antonio gunslingers (laughs) of the United States Football League. 35 years later to the month, I am beginning a uh, job as the new head coach of the Arizona Hotshots in the new Alliance of American Football. And Mitch, I got to tell you, I am having a blast. (laughs) We got 75 guys on this team that are from all over, and a number of them I actually coached at UCLA. This is kind of an opportunity league. Those who got passed over by the NFL or, you know, are within an eyelash of making the NFL – and they are dying to please. We are having an absolute blast down here in San Antonio and uh, putting together a football team in time for the regular season, which will begin on CBS on February 9th, wow. the week after uh, the Super Bowl. So those who are, have tears in their eyes thinking football's gone away, not so fast, my friend. You get to uh, watch much more in the way of football, and I think you're going to be wildly entertained. A bunch of try-hard guys that are doing, trying to do just that, entertain. Tell our audience the names of the coaches, because I, I love the names of the coaches, and I'm, I have to wonder aloud, no offense, sir, whether your name belongs in that list of, uh, of oh, coaches. Oh, you get yourself <laughs> together, young man. Okay, well, listen, it, uh, Steve Spurrier, it, we'll start with the ball coach. He's okay. going to coach the Orlando Apollos. Yeah. Uh, Brad Childress, who uh, was a head coach in the NFL, is I think with the Eagles, uh, is the head coach of the Atlanta Legends. Tim Lewis, who was a longtime coordinator in the NFL, uh, also coached for the Seahawks. Uh, is the head coach of the Birmingham Iron, Mike Singletary, uh, legendary Chicago Bear, head coach of the 49ers, the man who said, I like this kind of party. Uh, <laughs> he is the coach for the Memphis Express. Yeah. Uh, Mike Riley, uh, Oregon State, Nebraska. We all remember his stint with the San Diego Chargers. He's with San Antonio. He and his wife, Dee, have a house right on the Guadalupe River, right in town, and he's going to coach the San Antonio Commanders. Dennis Erickson, who's been here, there, and everywhere, uh, he is the uh, general of the Salt Lake City Stallions. Mike Martz, 
who was the offensive coordinator for the greatest show on turf, then became the head coach uh, for the Rams, uh, is the coach for the San Diego Fleet. And I, yours truly, Rick Neuheisel, am uh, the field general for your Arizona hotshot. That is, that is terrific. That's terrific stuff, and I wish you all the best. We'll be watching on CBS, for, uh, and we'll be rooting for the Arizona team. What is the nickname? The Arizona what? Arizona hotshot. Okay. Uh, named for the, 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 you know, those, uh, those brave guys that go out into, the, into those wildfires. I want to ask you about the national championship game. We're going to be releasing this episode, episode number 12, on Monday. So when most people will be listening, well, maybe not everybody, but most people will be listening. It'll be before the national championship game. We get to see it all over again. I've got two questions. Well, I got more than two, but number one is, are we fatigued? Do, do we have Alabama slash Clemson fatigue, or is this good for college football? That's the first question. And after you answer that, tell me who's going to win and why, please. The uh, first answer is it's understandable. If you haven't, uh, if you're the kind of fan that only watches your favorite team, that there would be fatigue because this is a usual suspects type of event, given that these two programs have been hoarding all the great defensive line talent in the country. Uh, if you look at NFL rosters, there's tons of Alabama defensive front guys all over the place. And the same now will be true of Clemson is that each of their four starting defensive linemen, although Dexter Lawrence won't be available uh, in the championship game for uh, failing a drug test, uh, each of their four defensive linemen have been all Americans at one point or another during their career. So they've got they, both these teams have unbelievable depth. But I think what's really going to be fun about the game is to showcase these two whippersnapper quarterbacks. Tua Tunga Bailoa is nothing short of stupendous. And but for a, a subpar game by his standards against Georgia in the SEC championship game, he would have won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, just marvelous. In this last game against Oklahoma, the Heisman Trophy quarterback. Uh, Uh, Kyler Murray on the other sideline, he goes 24 of 27 for over 300 yards and and, uh, four touchdowns. That's pretty pretty salty stuff as a sophomore. And everybody remembers the second half he had a year ago to to help Alabama come from behind and win the national championship against Georgia in overtime. I think he threw 24 passes in the second half alone in that game, including a touchdown pass in overtime on second and 26 to win the game. He's just a magic player. On the other side, one of the great stories of the college football season, Dabo Sweeney uh, changed to uh, his new freshman star, Trevor Lawrence, in week four. Uh, He had a great quarterback, uh, a guy that uh, had taken them, Kelly Bryant, to the playoffs a year ago. But Kelly Bryant was 16 of 37 against the Tide a year ago in the Sugar Bowl. And he knew he wasn't going to get to have watching Tunga Bailoa do what he's doing, throwing the ball. He needed a much stronger passing presence, and Trevor Lawrence provided that. And it's been just that since. They've been outstanding on offense. Uh, Lawrence threw for over 300 yards against uh, Notre Dame to get uh, Clemson into the final game. So this is going to be a, a great matchup. Two great defenses, the defensive lines being the reason these are such consistent programs, and then two real hotshot quarterbacks, and I'm using hotshot literally and figuratively yeah. uh these two guys that uh, can fl- flat play and and i'm looking forward to the game now before you I tell think- me before you tell me who's going to win and why because you're really good at this 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 clemson quarterback could have long blonde locks coming out of the back of his helmet and i remember years and years ago there was <laughs> there, <coughs> there was a there was a blonde haired quarterback 
who was a Rose Bowl hero, and as you say, a San Antonio gunslinger, who I think, did the blonde hair come out of the back of the helmet back in the day? Oh, yeah, and it, and it curled just perfectly, too. And I, and I long for those days, Mitch, because I have very little in the way of hair left. And uh, as I look at Trevor Lawrence, I, I have to say, you lucky son of a gun. You lucky son of a gun. But, uh, all right, who's going to win? You know, all his teammates – all of his teammates call him Sunshine. You yes. remember the character yes. in uh, yes. Remember the Titans, right? Uh, did they call and, Nick and, Foles? And, and did, they, did they used to call Nick Foles Sunshine at Arizona or not? I think they might have. Yeah. I think they might have, yeah. Uh, anyway, the kid has been really, really good. Uh, and I think we're just in for a real treat of a game. And I think he's, he's, the, he's the litmus test. If we're, if I have I've set, if he throws for 350, Clemson will win the game. Because I think Clemson can corral Alabama's run game. I think Clemson can put heat on on Tonga Bailoa. Uh, And given that he, you know, he's still nursing an ankle that uh, required surgery after the Georgia SEC championship game. I think they can make life miserable. That defense can make life miserable for Alabama and not certainly short circuit their offense, but let's say, hold them to 28, hold them to 31. If you go back to look at the three, first editions of this particular rivalry in the last three playoff seasons, you've seen uh, Deshaun Watson twice throw for over 400 yards, and they scored 31 points in the 35-31 uh, or 35-31 uh, win. They, they scored 35, and they scored 40 in the 45-40 loss. But that was with Deshaun Watson throwing for over 400 yards and having some rushing ability and being able to work a bunch of different formations. Ultimately, if if Lawrence gets 350 and they can recreate what Deshaun Watson did against this Alabama defense and neutralize that front, then I think Clemson wins. Short of that, I think it's an Alabama roll tide type of night. You do. Sounds like you're picking Alabama. I mean, you can. It's I'm easy. It's, it's easy to say if, they, if the guy three, throws for three fifty. I don't see three fifty. Here okay. are some names to remember uh, before the game. You know, we talk about Tonga Bailoa and all the great receivers. They've got a kid named Jerry Judy. They got a kid named Henry Ruggs. They got a kid named Devontae Smith, who scored the game winner a year ago. They got a kid named Jalen Waddle. All those guys are sophomores or less, or, or, or I think Waddle's a freshman. Those, those guys are all going to be back. They're all scat-type receivers. Uh, they're really good, right, built in the, the, the model of Calvin Ridley, who was such a star there. The two names now that are toiling for, uh, that are wide playing wide receiver for Clemson are much bigger guys. Yeah. A kid by the name of T. Higgins and a kid by the name of Justin Ross. And ironically, Justin Ross is from Alabama. Those two guys have blossomed just of late. They were huge in the Alabama, or excuse me, in the Notre Dame game. And I, if they come up big and that number gets above 350, uh, look for the Tigers to win. Yeah, but you're picking Alabama. I'm picking Alabama. You're picking Alabama. All right. Uh, I'm picking Alabama. <laughs> <you're> pick- <laughs> yeah, so, so Rick Neuweisel was our guest. Um, I have a couple of more for you. One that's not going to be a usual question from me to you, but I think you're sure. a perfect guy to answer. Uh, but before we get to that one, how about a comment on Washington? Uh, we haven't heard from you, at least I haven't heard from you since Washington was unable to complete the comeback against uh, Ohio State. Uh, I watched the game on delay because I was traveling back from the East. I found myself a little 
a, a little discontent with the play calling in the first half and kind of the game plan, the offensive game plan, I thought would be control the ball, run Gaskin, run him, run him, run him at Ohio State team that had surrendered a lot of yards on the ground to a lot of teams this year that aren't as good as Washington and keep that high-powered Ohio State team off of the field, the offense off the field. And as it turns out, Washington didn't do much of that, and, and Ohio State had the ball seven or eight times in the first half, which is too many possessions. They're going to score right. 21. They did score 21 in the first half, and then Washington found itself in catch-up. Kind of, kind of wrap it up for me in, your, in, the, in the eyes of Rick Neuheisel what happened in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Well, I, you're, you're not far off from the proper assessment. And, and listen, before I get critical of what happened in that particular game, I want to congratulate Washington again. They're one of six programs in the country that have won 10 or more games in each of the last three years, and four of them are named Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. The, the other is wow. Troy. Right? right. These are these are really good programs. And Chris Peterson to have returned Washington to that kind of uh, uh, fraternity is a pretty darn good thing. Uh, listen, the problem for Washington this year was lack of big plays in the throw game. It didn't it didn't materialize. No Dante Pettis, no John Ross and Jake Browning, rather than taking his medicine at times, sometimes forced things, and it, 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 it created some problems. And if you look back at the, we tried to do a, uh autopsy of the four losses, you're going to see that was part of the issue. In this particular game, he throws for 300, but he had to throw 50 times to do it. The yards per attempt was somewhere around five or six. That's right. And when you, when you do that, that becomes – uh, really hard to keep things going. Gaskin, I thought, was brilliant, as he has been all of his career, uh, played his heart out. And, and I agree with you. I think they should have been in that plan much earlier. If there's one thing I think Chris Peterson wishes he could have back was the decision to try to go and create a, a drive for points at the end of the first half. They yes. were down 14-3, to yes. Three, yes. and they gave the ball back with 21 seconds off the clock, not making Ohio State take a timeout, and 21-3 becomes a much more difficult thing. Yes. Uh, listen, those are, those are coaching things, but the guy was 94-12 and 12 before he came to Washington at Boise State, so who am I to tell you what he should do? I just think Jake Browning is a fabulous player. I hope Husky fans put him on the mantle as one of the great ones. Now, I know he didn't have, quote-unquote, the signature win, but Jake Browning took a program that not so long ago didn't win a game and put him back in company with those four schools that I mentioned earlier. I, I just think uh, we got good things to look forward to for the dogs. You know, Rick, I made a comment in a previous episode that I, I didn't think it was much of a comment. It was kind of off the cuff, and I, and I upset a lot of Washington fans with doing it. I, I mentioned Jake Eason. You and I have talked about Jake Eason, who's going to be probably the next quarterback for Washington next year, you would imagine. And um, right. we were talking about, I just said, hey, look, he had a, what I would call, even though he was a redshirt fresh, he was a non-redshirt, he was a true freshman in the SEC. I would call the games that I saw his freshman year uneven and mediocre. Uh, they lost five games he then uh, started the, the following season. We know he got hurt. We know Fromm came in and the rest is history. I just made the right. comment, hey, it's not a foregone conclusion that this kid's going to be great right out of the gate. Am I wrong about that? Uh, listen, I, I think uh, Jacob Eason is a fabulous talent. And I, I, he, he hearkens uh, a lot of comparisons to Matthew Stafford, who was a Georgia quarterback as well. 
And I can see where in the camps, in the recruitment, that they said, you're the next Matthew Stafford. And as you know, Matthew Stafford wasn't from Georgia either. He came from Dallas to go to Georgia. So they were talking about, you know, what Georgia had meant for him. And that's why Jacob Eason and his family said this is going to be a good fit. They got there. They got hurt in the opening game against App State. This Kirby Smart was the head coach. And Jake Fromm came in, and they managed him. Jim Chaney, the offensive coordinator, managed him. As a matter of fact, if you see the winning formula for Georgia right now, uh, Fromm will throw somewhere between 15 and 21 passes. And if he completes 70%, Georgia's win percentage is like 95%. They've got a plan. They've had 4,000-yard rushers, and then none of them duplicating each other. You know, Michelle and Chubb two years ago, uh, and this, this year it was Holyfield and Swift. But all of them were 1,000-yard rushers. So they, they worked that kind of system. Eason leaves because Fromm took over. He has all the tools. And if he can incorporate, and I'm going to make this statement, it's a big one. If he can incorporate the, the work ethic and the, the uh, amount of time, the gym rat nature that Jake Browning has and get the intellect that Jake Browning has about the game with his skill set, you're going to have a guy that's going to be talked for to, to be coming to New York in, in December. Really? Given all, that's, wow. given all that's done. We've always seen the quarterback with Boise and now Washington kind yeah. of manage games. Yeah. But that's because Kellen Moore and Jake Browning had similar skill sets. They're not big-arm guys. If, we, if an explosive receiver happens on campus, Jacob Eason can do it. I saw him throw the Hail Mary. Now, it ended up Tennessee won the game with a Hail Mary right in the back with Joshua Dobbs throwing it. But Eason, as a freshman, threw a beautiful ball to, down the rail to help Georgia take the lead with just seconds left in the game, such that the, thought that the Bulldog fans thought they had won the game. Eason has raw, raw ability, and given the way we've seen uh, Chris Peterson and his staff mold quarterbacks into what they're looking for with that raw ability. I think big things are to come. Last question for Rick Neuheisel before he gets back to his Arizona hot shots. Um, and I'm going to switch gears. I don't often ask you about the NFL, but certainly you know the NFL. You were uh, an assistant in the NFL for the Ravens, um, and certainly you have ties. You've been around play calling all your life, both as a quarterback, sure. a offensive guy, a head coach. The big topic here in the wake of the Seahawks loss, and it's not just here, it's everywhere. Anywhere you turn, if you read anybody's national perspective of what happened on Saturday night between the Seahawks and the Cowboys, you're, you're liable to hear or read the same words, which is that the, the, the Seattle Seahawks uh, offensive play caller and head coach in Pete Carroll uh, are in love with running the ball, pounding the ball on first and second down for the most part, and winning games a certain way. They got into a game, and that wasn't there for them like it had been most of the year, even in losses. And they weren't able or weren't willing to say, okay, let's go a different route. Let's put the ball in our soon-to-be $30 million a year hands at quarterback, and let's not go to the offseason and be asking ourselves, what if we had just given Russell Wilson a chance to win the game? They did not make the adjustment that a lot of us around the country were thinking that they should, and therefore they kind of went down and the season ends. I'm asking you not necessarily a question about that particular game, but instead just that philosophy that I'm throwing at you. The idea of doing something well, doing something well all year long, and having kind of a, a, a typical game plan of what we do, 
and then the idea of having to throw it out the window in the most important game of the year midway through the game. How difficult is that just very easy for a guy like me to, 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 to expect? Well, we, we all see games and we, we, I, I love sitting next to my mom, right? And, and uh, she'll say, why do they keep running it up the middle? Yeah. <laughs> and without any idea that there's about four different blocking schemes going up at the middle and so on and so forth and things that have, you can't imagine the man hours that go in to determine how you're going to, to block this and try to take care of matchups that you think are in your favor and, and so forth. But it, it, it's frustrating. And as I look at the numbers now, you had, uh, what, 72 yards of rushing against Dallas. And Dallas is a playoff team for a good reason. They're a good, they're a good team. You have a heroic quarterback, a guy that uh, you know is in MVP conversations. If even if he doesn't win the trophy, he's in that conversation because Russell Wilson's that kind of player. Uh, so, it, and and especially when you're behind and you start opening things up and it looks as if it's going easy, much like we watched with Washington in the fourth quarter. Why didn't you do that all game long? Right. Those questions are commonplace, and they're and fans have a right to ask them. I will tell you, though, as you're planning for a game, you look at the strategy and you try to make determinations as to what's your best chance to win. One of the things that the Dallas Cowboys have is a ball control running back in Ezekiel Elliott. And if you're looking at him and you're worried about the depth on your defense and you're worried about in who knows what aches and pains that they have at this point in the season, and you're seeing if they are able to keep the ball, we have to come on the field and be able to sustain some time of possession as well. The time of possession, as I look at it, goes 34, close to 35 minutes for Dallas and 25 minutes for the Seahawks. That is a lot of plays for a defense to be out there. And if you're a defensive-minded coach, which Pete Carroll clearly is, he's trying to protect his defense, which means he needs his offense to stay in the field, which means he wants to run the ball and keep that clock going. So there was the idea. Okay, I get that. Uh, I get that. I get that. But the question question is, when you get into the middle of a game, is it it fair for us to expect that you would say, let's let the game talk to us, and this is not going to – this is not going to yield a victory. This is not going to yield a second-round playoff berth. We're going to have to make some changes here on the fly if we're going to win that game. Or you just do you have to just kind of got to go down with what brought no, you here? No, no, you're, 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 it's fair to it's fair to say we've got to have a plan B. There's no question. One of the great things uh, about putting offenses together is to know what stops them. It's you got to know what the kryptonite is, and when the kryptonite is is present then you have to have the anecdote and that is just play calling 101 you have to have the anecdote and you have to have the ability to adjust now you, you there's also this, the the case of adjusting too soon going away from something right. you know a, a ball carrier that's averaging three three two three you get to the fourth quarter if he gets enough cracks all of a sudden go seven nine and yeah. you can take the game over yeah. so you can't abandon ship from a game plan too early but if you know what the kryptonite is and they have the kryptonite whether it's an extra guy in the box or you can't block somebody then you have to have another way of of playing offensive football and when you have russell wilson especially with his legs 
you always have an extra blocker. And to me, that's where Seattle can even go further. Now, what happens is quarterbacks, they're thinking about their longevity. How many times do I really want to run? But Russell Wilson's such a competitor, I think he would have done whatever it took to get uh, Seattle to the next round. So I think uh, there's a lot of coaches feeling badly and looking about what might have been had they done some things different. Terrific stuff, as always. Rick Neuheisel, who is in San Antonio, not San Antonio, San Antonio, <laughs> As the head coach, those of us who've lived here, we can say that, you know. <laughs> as the head coach of the Arizona Hotshots, we'll all be rooting for the Hotshots as they begin play just after the Super Bowl. Thank you so much. We got you down for Alabama to win the game tonight. Alabama to win the game tonight, even though you say, okay, you've kind of built yourself a safety net. If I, that I number that. goes over 350, don't okay. be surprised if we've uh, got the paw print on the, on the window. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for being back with us. Mitch, you're the best. All right. Talk to you soon. Happy New Year. There he is, Rick Neuheisel. I say pizza, craft beer, and football, and you should say Zeke's Pizza, either at your home, through delivery, or at one of Zeke's now 16 locations, by the way. A new one is about to open up in Capitol Hill on Monday. That's where I'm watching the Super Bowl and hoping that some of you will stop by, have some pizza and or a craft beer, and allow me to shake your hand and say thank you for allowing me into your ears again. Zeke's is the Northwest's homegrown pizza company founded in Queen Anne in 1993. If you don't want to join me, then have them deliver on Super Bowl Sunday. Download and use their mobile app. Order online at Zeke'sPizza.com or call 206-285-8646. Any combination of food, craft beer, right to your door, just as long as it's a minimum of $15. Mix and match, order six different beers, whatever you want. All the drivers have shoulder coolers, so believe me, the beer will show up nice and cold. Remember, the one who orders has to be 21 years old and receive it at the door. 206-285-8646, Zeke'sPizza.com. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. All right, the Seahawks are out. They're the only – I mean, if I had said to, to you – the three out of the four road teams are going to win the four games. By the way, I was three and one against the spread, against against. Uh, I don't four. care. Okay. <laughs> uh, how about so that? How money. about that? You know what I care okay. about? Okay. I care about the Seahawks winning and, and the Seahawks playing losing. The Rams this yeah. Week. Yeah. But great. I'm glad that you were. Uh, if three- I had <laughs> said to you that all. By the way, in Vegas, all four underdogs covered. If the, if you, the Seahawks, I think backdoor covered. Mm. All four underdogs covered. That doesn't happen very often. And if, and if I said to you before it started that three out of the four underdogs and road teams are going to win the game and the Seahawks are not going to be one of them, you would have said... You're crazy. Betty Ford Clinic. You are crazy. Here's the phone number. Get yourself checked in and checked out, right? Um, that's the case. We've got San Diego at New England in, game, uh, in the AFC, Indianapolis at Kansas City in the AFC, Eagles at New Orleans. I saw that game earlier in the season. It was not pretty in the NFC and the Cowboys at the Rams. I figured we would go through a little bit, a couple of a couple of interesting tidbits or some opinions or some laundry lists from not only the Seahawks game, but the Seahawks roster. But I do want to point out, because we were talking about, and this is going to be a big topic on, epi- on future episodes, Okay, the Russell Wilson situation. You know, he's got one year left to go on his contract. Clearly, there's got to be some level oh, of negotiation. Of of and course. the little birdies, I got little birdies yeah. that are telling me that this is not going to be very easy. 
that everybody who's sitting around saying, ah, it's just a matter of time, they'll franchise him, yada, yada, yada. Oh, he, he wants to play in Seattle. They'll get a home, a home field discount, a hometown discount. I'm the little birdies that I'm hearing, and we're gonna we're gonna dive into this in future episodes with guests too. This could be a ball buster of a situation for the Seahawks. I'm just saying. Wow. A ball buster of a situation. He's got a he's got an agent who is a baseball guy. I know. Who doesn't deal with salary caps very well. Mm-hmm. And let me throw this number at you just to just to, to kick off this segment. Here are the top six paid quarterbacks in 2018. Okay, give it to me. Aaron Rodgers, yep. $33.5 million last year. Okay. Not bad to be Aaron Rodgers. Nope. Right? Especially to lose and not make the playoffs. And- Matt Ryan made $30 million. Uh, Minnesota's Kirk Cousins made $28 million. San Francisco's Jimmy Garoppolo made $27.5 million. Theme here. De- Detroit's Matthew Stafford made $27 million. Oakland's Derek Carr, $25 million. Those are the top six, and I didn't skip anybody. <laughs> Those are the top six quarterbacks who have something eerily in common. Oh, my goodness. Don't they? All missed the playoffs. All watched the games like you and me. Now, you'd say, oh, that's just a coincidence. Hard to win when you're paying that much to one position. This is going to be a not a smooth sale. Ooh. This is not going to be a smooth sale. So these guys all made their big money. It's as you just said. You got to be the world's greatest GM when you when you're dealing with, and he's going to be making more than all of them, more than all of them, and they're going to have to build a roster around him. Now, maybe a year or two into his contract, he'll do what Tom Brady always does, which is you know take yeah, some restructure, bonus, restructure, take some money up front, lessen the hit on the cap. Maybe he'll do all that. He seems to be the type of guy that would do all, but I don't think he's doing that. Day when one. When he signs the contract. I think he's going to bust this, this. I think they're going to bust the Seahawks balls on this. And I can say that because yeah, this is Mitch Unfiltered. Okay, couple of couple of thoughts. couple of thoughts. Bobby Wagner, we talked about it. Can you imagine? Could you pick a worse time to not be able to knock down the opposing team's quarterback? It's hard for me to. Ring the bell. <sighs> Ring the bell. I mean, I don't. Is there much? I mean, you can't. You can't. I mean, the guy is. Like in my my world, the all de- world, the defensive player of the year in football. Yes. One of the defensive players yes. of the year in football. Um, K. J. Wright may have played his final game. What does that mean to you, as a Seahawks fan? It would be disappointing because he's been part of the nucleus of guys, but you also understand, just as we were talking about with Russell Wilson, you know. His age, his production, his cap hit, his everything. How does it fit in? Does it fit in? I I don't th- I don't think it I don't think it fits. Well, it may not fit from another standpoint. They just may be you know looking getting young again. I mean, does he really fit the bill of what their look is now on defense with all the young corners and safeties yeah. and young defensive linemen? It it may not fit that way. And and the other thing, and first of all. You know, he made a – that was a hell of an interception. Oh. oh. It, it felt like at the time almost a game saving. Absolutely. Even though it was early. The, the jug – now he may have gotten away with a little bit of P.I. Yeah, in yeah, the yeah. meantime, and he got called for uh, P.I., and he admitted it in the post yeah. in the post game. He said, you know, it was, it was past interference on me. Uh, here's, here's what I'd like to say about K.J. Wright, and um, I, I really have um, 
a soft place in my heart for a couple of people that I've had to deal with over there Mm -hmm. the last eight or 10 or 15 years. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys is KJ Wright. Hmm. There were just a couple of guys and Cam Chancellor comes right to mind. KJ Wright and Cam Chancellor for me were just a different breed of guys that I had to deal with as a member of the media. And just class, 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 approachable, amenable, uh, egoless, mm-hmm. very easy to talk to, always treated you with kindness. You could say anything you wanted to say to him. And, 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 I, and I can think of something that my son would say to him if he had him here, mm. that M- Max would say, how did you make the Pro Bowl? That's what <laughs> Max would say to him. Because Max has been walking around for the last week or two since the Pro Bowl was announced. Yeah. Uh or scratch, what, what, scratch, what, whatever scratch he got. He that. didn't make the Pro Bowl. Yeah. He made a, he was an alternate Auburn, or whatever. Yeah. The guy played like half the games. Half the games. The guy played like three minutes. He yeah. played like four plays. Yeah. And so Max would say to KJ Wright if he were here, How did you be how are you an alternate for the Pro Bowl? How did yeah. you get so many Pro Bowl votes? And the funny part about that is KJ would would look at Max and laugh. Laugh with him. He is just a quality, quality mm. individual. Cam Chancellor. KJ Wright really stick out to me. And if this is the final, and I believe it is, I believe unless KJ Wright just decides, you know what, I've made my money, I'll play for something real small here rather than move and go somewhere else, which I don't think he should do and I don't think he will do. Mm-hmm. I think his career as a Seahawk is over um, unless he does something like that. So if it's over, I would just like to say on Mitch Unfiltered, which he will never hear. He's never even he doesn't even know what Mitch Unfiltered is. He probably doesn't even remember who Mitch is. But it's okay. I want to say it anyway. Yep. Just a wonderful and kind and respectful human being who, who whom I sincerely appreciated and loved sitting down and, and working with for the few times that I did. So now you can ring the bell. Remember when Earl Thomas played on this team? I do. It it felt like a long, long time ago. Where where is he? Where, was he was he rooting for Dallas? Oh, see, see who, who is he? You. Who was he rooting for? Now I did a patron thing uh, last week with a columnist of the Dallas in the Dallas mm-hmm. area, a longtime columnist named Mac Engel, Fort Worth Star Telegram, and that was a patron only thing. So I'll bring it up. I asked him about Earl Thomas. He thinks the the the, the ship has sailed on Dallas and Earl Thomas. He doesn't think that they're interested anymore. Hmm. They were one time interested, wanted to acquire him, yeah, yeah. wanted to trade for him. He said he thinks they're out. He thinks they're out on Earl Thomas. So I don't know where Earl Thomas is going to play next year. He's going to play. Yeah, yeah. He's going to get a big deal if a team can look past the fact that he's been injured the last couple of years. But I, I swear there was a moment during Saturday night's game where I was sitting right over there and I was saying to myself, he's not there, right? He's not hanging out with no. the team. No, no. Is he... Does he care? He's at home. He hates the he hates probably hates Pete Carroll. He hates John Schneider. Yeah. He didn't get his money. He didn't get his contract. He got hurt. He's rehabbing again. He probably detests oh. everything that's going on. I'm he may have been wearing a Cowboys jersey like at his homes, and he's from Texas. I'm not sure he wasn't just rooting for the, Did for he the watch? Dallas Cowboys. I, Did I he know. even watch? Does he even care? That's what I'm saying. Does he at this point does he even care? Ring the bell. Frank Clark. Mm-hmm. Pay. That man, his money. Frank Clark. Yeah. You know how much Frank Clark made this year? I do not. $940,000, 15 sacks. 
Now, multiply that are, by ten. You are looking at a man who is obsessed with the pass rush. Oh yeah, I've I've known that. That's what you besides the screen pass and the pass rush are the two things that you are most obsessed with. I think maybe in football, nine hundred and forty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. That guy is looking at. 15, 16, 17 million smackers a year. And I, and we're going to get to here in a second, I don't know how the Seahawks can put together a plan that does not include signing Frank Clark. Now, the last thing you want to do is have to franchise Frank Clark. You don't want to do that for sure. a lot of reasons. You want to get him to a deal where you give him his 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 big salary, you, you know, yeah. his big uh uh, signing, signing bonus, bonus. Mm-hmm. which you can then, you know, over the course of the contract and keep his numbers relatively down. The last thing you want to do is have to franchise that right. guy. But can you, I mean, you just said it, you just pay, pay the man his money. Yeah. I, I don't see how, don't they have to pretty much do whatever well, Frank Clark wants well, to P. do? Well, Pete Carroll already said, whatever way that's going to happen. I mean, but like you said, you don't want to have to franchise. You want to get that done in the deal so that it's team friendly, but yet gives that man his money. Give that man his money. Ring, ring the bell. Um, is it time to shop for another kicker? Are oh you ready? Gosh. Is the Seabass so era d- over? Listen, I, I hate to see people get hurt. Oh, so so do I. I that, that was that was painful to watch. I I, I don't know if you're joking. No. That, I, you're because your face right now. No, I don't know. Oh, be serious. Okay, hold, hold on. <laughs> be no, hold serious. On I'm gonna let you talk because and just because I just want you to just say what you want to say. Okay. <laughs> this is unfiltered. Yeah. So I'm gonna say it. Yeah. I joked the other day about the roughing the kicker penalty mm-hmm. when I was convinced a lot of it was acting to try to get the 15 yards. And then I saw Pete Carroll making fun of him on the sidelines, yes. which I, which you which made I got a hundred thousand views, which I yes. then re- recorded. Yes. So I felt like I was, I was okay to make fun of him then. Yeah. Okay. If you, if you must know, I, I have also been working on a song. Okay. <laughs> I'm being unfiltered now, being honest. Yes. So then you have to believe the last thing that I'm going to say. Okay. Which was, I did feel, I, I never want to see somebody get hurt, hurt. I didn't think he was hurt on the roughing the penalty play a yeah. couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I thought it was a little bit of, a little bit of uh, Oscar winning performance. That really, that looked painful. I didn't like seeing him on the sidelines. It could have cost him and maybe did cost him somehow uh, in the second half. Um, I, I'm ready for... That the that the sea bass experiment to be it's part, over. part of I mean, the he di- was okay he was all right he kicked the field goals he only he only missed I think the one extra point maybe two extra points yeah. he did okay but I don't know part of, part of the deal is if you know a hamstring injury or any injury could come at any time right you just don't know when an injury is going to come but if he was at all in shape at all in shape and pulled the hamstring, you go, okay, that guy's tried to put himself in peak physical Ooh. condition. Ooh. He has Ooh, he, like he, he has worked on his body Come in a on. way. Come on. Right? Yeah. But when a guy <laughs> Are you suggesting that when a guy drinks a six pack of Natty Light <laughs> and then rolls out with a big leg and then pulls a hammy, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Oh, so you're, you're, you're okay. Done. All right. So you think this was a function of his conditioning? Like I said, 
you never know when an injury strikes. And if he was 170 pounds and fit, he still might have pulled the hamstring. When you're 270. <laughs> Do you remember the Kentucky quarterback? Oh, yeah. yeah. The lefty, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jared, Jared something, yeah, Lorenzen yeah, yeah. or yeah, something. Yeah. Do you remember that oh, guy? Oh, yeah. That's what he reminds yeah. me of. Do you remember when he's like in the arena league? and he <laughs> had? Oh, my gosh. Poor guy. Ah. Uh. 2019 is underway, and what a year it's going to be at Jag Land Rover of Bellevue. Al and Dimitri have tons of opportunities for you in virtually all price ranges, from a fabulous selection of certified pre-owned vehicles to a new electric Jaguar, which is now in stock, to the family Land Rover Discovery model with a third-row seating. The new Discovery is the best-value family SUV on the market, period. And if you're really adventurous, the upcoming return of the iconic Land Rover Defender is the talk of the car world. Get on the VIP order list at Land Rover of Bellevue. And as I've said for years, you just can't beat Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue. Many dealerships try, but to no avail. The best sales team, a dealership environment that you'll notice a difference. Service department, which is the best, whether you got your car there or not. Just off of 520 on Northeast 20th Street in Bellevue, Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue. Unfiltered. All right, we still have uh, we still have topics. We have topics, and this is this is not like the old radio show where you have to end at a certain time so the mm-hmm. next guys can come in mm-hmm. and do their their radio show, right? We we gotta we're gonna go as long as we have to go to cover some of these topics. Let's uh, ring the bell and get back to a few more Seahawks ones. Okay. We've got a national championship game to talk about. We've got your shaking the hands of celebrities with balls that are all marked up. Nice, nice mementos. Mm-hmm. You didn't bring it. I didn't bring so it. So I'd like to see that at some point, maybe touch it. Um, we haven't talked about Fluker and Sweezy. Yeah. They're on the list. Fluker and Sweezy, both free agents. Both were signed to one-year deals. Now, this... This running game that I mentioned in the first segment, I thought was one of the great Seahawks storylines of my 25 years here in Seattle, in the Northwest. The question is, what's the list of priorities on why that story happened? Is it the offensive line coach? Solari. Is it the offensive coordinator? Mm -hmm. Is it shoddy? Is it shoddy? Is it Fluker? Is it Sweezy? Is it Brown? Is it Britt? What what is I think the first thing we've got to decide is what are the reasons and whatever those reasons we think they are we got to keep them we got to keep them around for next season and I should point out something that I read a piece by um, by Greg Bell Mm -hmm. our buddy Greg Bell the Tacoma News Tribune who said that the Seahawks let me see if I can find this here the Seahawks are going to have the ninth most money to spend under the cap this offseason in the National Football League. Something like 60-some-odd million. Bodes so well. So this is the first time in a long time they've had some real flexibility. Mm-hmm. John Schneider has put himself in position to have some real flexibility with the cap. What about Fluker? Sweezy, these are these are veteran linemen who have had a resurgence in their career that yeah. might be wanted on the open market for a short-term deal somewhere. Mm-hmm. How important is it to get the two guys? And do you have a, you have a preference? If you could have one... And not the other. What's your thought uh, on uh, that? Fluker. You want Fluker. I want Fluker. You want Fluker back. I think his attitude costs us 15 yards, but go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. late in the game, Lay, we yeah, didn't was, need that. Yeah. Yeah. 
but I think it's fluker. But I think if you can keep the continuity of the entire line and and you can sell that, if you can sell that to Sweezy, yes, uh, you know your your boy Dwayne Brown becoming a an all pro. Like I know you were a little surprised on that Stunned. one. Stunned. I'm glad you brought that up. It's not even on my yeah. list. I'd forgotten about it. Yeah. He was named second, second team, team all pro. Yeah. There's one left tackle on the on the all pro first team, and then there's two second team left tackle. He is being called by the experts top three, one of the top three left tackles. Now he didn't even make the Pro Bowl. I mean, so something's a little bit amiss. So I guess it's different kinds of voting. Mm. Second team All Pro is a hell of an honor. That was that was amazing. Anyway, um, so you keep the line together. Yes, yes. try to keep them both. Yeah, try to keep, keep them yeah. both. I don't know how expensive they would be, but you got to try to keep them both. And by the way, I just found the note, Greg Bell. Tacoma News Tribune, I think he tweeted out. He also did a story. I, I read it. $63 million to spend, ninth most mm. money to spend as of now of any team in the National Football League. Hit the bell. Um, and that takes us to Russell Wilson, which we kind of exhausted early on, and we're going to talk a lot about that as we move forward. Clemson, Alabama, mm-hmm. for like the umpteenth time. Yeah. By the way, is the college football championship game lose its luster because it's the same teams over and over again, or do people really like the fact that they get to see this game one more time? And you got to make a pick, by the way. It depends. So on, I can go the other way. I think it depends on if you like the teams. Well, nobody likes Alabama. Who likes Alabama besides Alabama do people fans? Like, do people like Clemson? I think more than Alabama. Okay. So, I don't. I don't love it. I don't love seeing the same two teams three out of four years. Uh, doesn't do it for me, but Dabo, Dabo, much more likable. Who's not more likable? But Dabo's kind of likable. No, how about the the quarterback with the long blonde hair? You know, looks the like freshman. he should be. He looks like he should be the lead singer in a rock band. Yeah. You know, he's got like this happy go lucky. Make give me a pick. Is Clemson oh, going to do it? Oh, Alabama's no, Alabama. You know, they're only a four and a half point favorite. But, if you, you're not a gambling no, man, no. But if you were in Vegas, four and a half is all you got to lay. If you really think Alabama's going to win, four and a half. And I don't know what the money line. You could take Alabama straight up, lay a few odds. One of these one of these shows, Yes, you're going to actually have to teach me what all this stuff means. I'm going to do that. Literally the- Well, you need to know because I know. gambling is a, is a I, part huge. of the future. It's huge. Right? Yeah. Uh, did you see Zion Williamson's 360? I did, and he did it with ease. It wasn't even <laughs> fair. I showed it to my wife, Yeah, and she's just like- why is he in college? <laughs> <laughs> Why is that grown man in college? He looks older than you do. Absolutely. He doesn't look older than me, but he looks yes. older than you do. Yes. By the way, he called that a seven or eight on a scale from one to 10. It was so easy. You got to tweet that out. You've got to tweet that out tomorrow. You mean the, the video? The video of yeah. that. Okay. I mean, it's a breakaway, Yeah. but he did it like he was just having fun, and it was so easy to him to complete the dunk. And so people who haven't seen it, you need to tweet that out. Okay. All right. I'll do that. Hit the bell. Um, Washington, give us a quick thought on the Pac-12, Washington, yeah. first weekend, I guess first real weekend of Pac-12 conference ball. I know that they had lost. They surrendered the lead early in the first second half mm-hmm. and then won an amazing run. You know, people want to have they found it or not? Have they have well, they figured it out just yet? David Crisp had a good game. He to beat did. Washington State. Give us a thought. It was a it was one of those weird times where you know 
the ancillary guys became the main story. David Chris, 23 points. You know, Matisse Thibault, who had a perfect line. He had a perfect right. line. Right. Four or four, three or three, six or six from the free throw line. I mean, he had a perfect line, 20 points. Uh, you, you get Jalen Noel involved. Noah Dickerson was a little slow, didn't really, wasn't really impactful. But Washington actually played two halves of basketball, which they typically haven't done this year. They've been a slow starting second half team this year or this game, this last game against Washington state, they came out gangbusters, did their thing. Um, you know, got a runaway win. The PAC 12 is, is still not good right nationally. I don't, I don't think the, the perception's not going to change. I think like any conference, once you start conference play, it's it doesn't over. matter. It's it's like your, it's your so, fate is sealed. Yeah, it's so your hard. Your reputation is your sealed. reputation is sealed. It's done in the out of conference, and then you're just like I used to do with my vegetables on my plate. You're eating and eating, and eating your vegetables, and the mound's not going down. I don't know if you got that analogy. I mean, they're just beating up on each other, yeah. and and good. There are good, no good wins. There are no. They're all bad losses, and it's just you, whatever the country thinks of you is going to remain until March Madness. Right, right? And, and I think it's one of those things where. The Pac-12 will be one of those leagues where, and, and every team should hypothetically be getting better as the season goes along. Yeah, I think with injuries and with teams gelling and all that, I think you're going to see teams look really good, like they should be tournament teams. But like you said, their fate has already been sealed early. So now it's just a fight to the finish. Can Washington survive, win enough games and be one team that people still see as a national team, as the best team in the Pac-12. Because right now, you talked about it earlier, Lenardi's got them in their first four. I think Seth Davis has got them in his first four. They're on the cusp of the top 25. Yeah, we should say first four out. Yeah, first four out. First four out, right. Yeah. Uh, uh, Seth Davis has got him in the like, 26, 27, 28, something like that, in his top 25 in this week. And... Um, you know, but you 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 go on the road. You play Utah, who I think is going to be tough. You play uh, Colorado, and, and you know who knows. But you can't really split anymore. You need to win games, and you certainly got to win the ones that uh, are below you. If they if I told you right now, Washington's going to win the Pac-12 regular season. Yep, they're going to be the number one seed in the Pac-12 tournament as regular season Pac-12 champs. I don't know if they are going to be. Yeah. The, the, uh, part of the other problem is with this bowl injury. Now yeah. Oregon is not a good win right. anymore, right? Right. And I think they play them twice, well, if I'm not mistaken. And Oregon State just beat Oregon. Okay, so yeah. Oregon's nothing. It's not doesn't help you much anymore. So if I told you Washington, Pac-12 regular season yeah. champs, but they don't win the Pac-12 tournament. Yep. What, what, how, do you, how do you like your chances then? It depends. What did they go? Did they go 15-1? and one? no. no. Is it 16 games or is it 18? 18, games? sorry. 15 I mean, and 3. Yeah. 17 uh, and 1 is what I meant to say. Let's say they go 13 and 5. Then it's going to be. And they and they don't. They win the regular season. Do they make the final? No. It's going to be close. What is this ball that you were. What, what, what happened? What happened on Saturday that you and Hopkins are hanging out after the game? So, Coach Hop. And is, why hasn't he been on Mitch Unfiltered? Co- we yet? have to fix that. Coach okay. Hop is a class act. You know why? Not because of yes. his Syracuse. You know why. No. We all are. But go ahead. Moving on. Yes. So um, the, the the university and, the, and uh, the athletic department and the sports media, Ashley Walker, Tony Castricone, IMG Group, did it something very nice. I, I, I knew it was my 500th game broadcasting at the University of Washington. And we, Tony Castricone and I, my broadcast partner, had talked about that. Um, but there was no no discussion or nothing about it. It was just like, Hey, this is going to be my 500th game. Get to the arena. 
Aaron Goldsmith, Mariners uh, radio announcer and also does work for Pac-12 Network, comes over and says, hey, I heard it's your 500th game. Congratulations. And I said, yeah, you probably did that in three years with 162 games. Yeah. But, you know, have some conversation. And then, you know, right before tip-off, video board comes up. They put up a graphic. Tony's like, you got to stand up. It was prearranged. I didn't know anything about it. They – Nice little standing ovation in the arena and, and a standing oh come on. Now come I, on now. Is this where I say I don't like you? <laughs> <laughs> was it a standing ovation? Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. You know, for those that could okay. stand. I got a couple I got a couple. Maybe real, the dog pack was be, already standing. I, do I don't you want know. unfiltered questions or not? Sure, go for I, it. I better not do this. Go for I don't it. want to upset you. Yeah, go for it. I got questions. Go ahead. Okay. How do we know that it was your five hundredth? I mean, who's counting them? I counted them. You're sitting at home counting them? Well, because here's why. Did you go walk around the arena saying, hey, this is my 500th? Hey, this is no. my 500th? No. Are you telling me? I mean, these are the unfiltered questions. No. You want the about, questions. about three weeks ago, Tony Cashercone said to me, how many games do you think you've done? I said, I have no idea. And he said, my, my broadcast partner in Clemson, I remember doing his thousandth, thousandth game. Yeah. And I said, oh, really? And he's yeah. like, you've got to be close to 500. And I said, I, you know, I have no idea. So you counted them. I counted them. Is that why you relate to Mitch Unfiltered a couple of times? You're at, you're at we home going, don't have office hours, Mitch. You, okay, you were at home going 374, <laughs> 375, yeah. 370. So five, that, and that just shows to me a loyalty, mm -hmm. an allegiance. The fact that you, you transferred here to play ball there. Yeah. You played, you played well. You coached, you were an assistant coach, yep. and now a broadcaster. It just shows that you have put Washington Husky basketball. I can't wait. Where are you going with this? Washington Husky oh basketball. Gosh. Yeah. You know, is is really is really the biggest <laughs> one of the biggest parts of your life. Uh -huh. So I can't wait for five oh one at Utah this coming when do they play five oh one? Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. Thanks, Mitch. I, don't have, I have nothing else to say. Yes, you do. No, I know. I'll finish the story, though. Okay. So we're done with the game. You're not going to answer my question? I, I will be there for 501. We what, finished. You'll be there for 501. Will it be the Utah game? Yes. We play Utah on Thursday. I'll be there for 501. So we finished the game on, uh, what day was that? On Saturday. Yeah. And Coach Hop is coming up for the post game to yeah. do the radio with us. Yeah. He's got a ball in his hand. Comes up the stairs, and he's like, "Jay Ham, you did it." Now, do you would let me let me a serious question? Yeah. Would Mike Hopkins have known? So you're you're a little younger than Mike Hopkins, right? By, because he's yeah, younger he, than me. He he, he, he was gets, ninety. I think we 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 may have crossed for one year. I think his freshman year might have been my senior year at at Syracuse. Would he have known like before he took the job? If I had said to him, "Hey, Hop." Do you know who Jason Hamilton is? No. He used to play guard at Washington. What do you have any idea? No, who you are? Okay. no, because okay. he he would have been a he would have been a young assistant on the East Coast and not. I mean, I mean, unless his memory is just yeah, yeah, he he probably okay. wouldn't have any idea. Okay. No. Anyway, so he presented me yeah. with this ball that had um, a University of Washington logo on it, and uh, the team signed, and everybody signed, and it was just a, it was just a very nice. Um, well, I wish you all the congratulations. Thank you very much. And I, I look forward to the next five hundred, which begin apparently this week in Utah. That's right. Okay. They do. Okay. I don't know why you keep saying that because I think you're off, but we're just going to leave Am it I at off? that. You are. Okay. So you just keep on going with that narrative because I will be there for five hundred one in Utah. How about five hundred two? Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I 
I got the games wrong. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Yeah, so that was I was what just let you? I was just letting you go down that that primrose path. Oh, oh, I don't know. I thought you weren't yeah, gonna be there. Whatever. For Stuff it. How about okay. that? <laughs> All right. Uh I promise so I'll deliver. I don't know that anybody cares about this. The mule. Oh, the movie, The Have Mule. Have you ever heard of The Mule? Yeah, the Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Saw it. So, my so, son's in it. My son's yep. in, the, in, the, in the show yep. business. In the business. He's in the business. Yeah. And uh, God, it's so fun to go with your 16-year-old. He, he, By the way, every time we go to the theater on him, because he works at the theater yeah. and he gets freebies and yeah. he comes walking in, gets me a cup from the back to get drinks. Oh, yeah. And you guys are big your, time. And the, yeah. we, we pay like a dollar for, for something that costs $5 and it doesn't cost anything. And we can have any seats and he's waving to people. Hey, how yeah. you doing, buddy? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. What's great is he won't let me even drive when he takes me. Oh, so you're like fully pampered. He's got, he, he will, he refuses. Maybe he thinks that it's that time that dad, take the, sure. take the keys yeah. from dad. Yeah. I hope it's not take the keys yeah. from dad. He won't let me drive. He takes me, he takes me to these movies. The two of us, we go. So what was number three? You mentioned Mary Poppins. Right. And now the mule. What was the, number num- three? Number three was the best one of the bunch. Which was? Which I will, I, and I will, I, I recommend the mule. I kind of recommend Mary Poppins. If you're into that, if you're, if you have kids, certainly that age, sure. it's, it's wonderful. Um, I saw Vice. I can't even tell you that I know what that is. You need to know what that is. Vice. You not only need to know what that is, you need to go watch it. Who's in? I don't. I don't know. Okay, about it's it. the Dick Cheney story. Oh, the right, former right. Vice right, President right, of the United right, right, States. Right, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm no. I'm not a member of the foreign press. Yeah. Okay, so I don't have a vote. <laughs> yeah. And I don't watch. I only watch the movies that my son will take me to and say, Hey, how you doing? Know, right. Um, but uh, this guy, Christian Bale, by literally within 30 minutes of being in that movie, you, you think he's him. You think he's him. Mm-hmm. I and, did see and, some of the and, photos and of him, I, I, and I'm embarrassed to tell you I don't really. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a one who knows specifics about different vice presidents and what they did and what they do and who. I was stunned by the whole movie. Now, there's a lot of people that are speculating it may not all be true, mm-hmm. and it may be mm-hmm. you know, it, it may be kind sure. of a, you know a democratic view sure. of of Dick Cheney, but. It's an eye opener. It's it's very cleverly made. Hmm. It's both a drama and a comedy. You will laugh. Okay. Uh, it challenges you. It's it's done. It's written and directed by a Saturday Night Live writer, so it gives you a sense. Will Ferrell and Brad Pitt are executive produ- or are producers of it. They're I thought you were going to say they were in it. They're I was going to say, it. hmm, how uh, is that? Amy, Amy Adams plays his wife. Oh. Just the storyline. I mean, because you know, I don't know how much you get into this, but oh, like big, when you say you I like politics. No, when you say Dick Cheney to me, yeah, I I would have said to you before seeing this movie, one of the most nondescript vice presidents of my lifetime. Like I don't remember. I don't even remember a moment of Dick Cheney. Hmm. I don't really remember a speech. There's nothing about Dick Cheney that stands out to me. And for for some to call him now, I'm reading up all about him, the most powerful vice president in the history mm. of that of that sure. job. I'm like, I mean, okay. Trust me. Okay. Here's my guarantee. Go see Vice. No matter which side of the yeah. politi- the political chair you sit, yep. um, go go see Vice. And if you don't let, take your wife, I don't think it's for the kids, but yeah. take your wife. I'll reimburse you for your money if you don't like it. Okay, that's a guarantee. I'll reimburse if you're not entertained by that movie right. and by his performance, mesmerizing. 
Bale's performance is mesmer, and there's some other ones. Uh, um, what's the guy's name? Rockwell. Sam. Sam. Yeah, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell plays President Bush. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Um, and it's good. He's very funny. He's very good. Uh, go see it. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we started with the heartbreak. Yes. And we. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've ended with Vice. Yeah. And hey, 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 bitch! Hey, 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 he takes me, feeds me, he runs out in the middle. Three of the movie. movies in the last. He took me to three movies in six days. Isn't that nice? It's my son. It is. And and I'm, ha- I'm going to need you. And to by the way, find something else to do. By though. the way, <laughs> I'm going to need. I'm going to need you to. I'm going to need you to do a little few more uh, patron episodes if you're going to three movies in six days. Uh, by the way, I don't mean to remind you of a former XFL star, but he does hate me. <laughs> he does he took a guy oh, he hates to three funny. movies but i think what he's trying to do yeah and i don't want to give away too many podcasts mitch unfiltered secrets yeah. you know this yeah he's positioning himself is he yeah he wants he wants he, he wants, wants a in. mic time he wants he in. wants a mic this time. is a true story by the way i know he's told me he wants mic time. i don't know that his mom is good with that yeah but he wants in. Okay. He wants to be the official movie critic of Mitch Unfiltered. And I so like I it. think all these movies that he's taken, and I noticed like, when we, I noticed when we walk out, he says, didn't you like the, and oh, he starts yeah. analyzing the movies as a six, only as a 16 year old does and mm-hmm. would. And it was, it's, I think he's really trying to work his way into that chair that yeah. you're sitting in yeah. as the official movie critic. Cause you know, he's in, in show business. He's in the business. That's all I got for today. Okay. All right. Thursday's another day. We'll feel a little bit better about the offseason or no? We're going to feel just as bad. We'll wait and see. All right. right. Thanks to my sponsors, Jag Land Rover of Bellevue, Daniel's Broiler, and, of course, Zeke's Pizza. Episode number 12 is in the books.